Welcome to That's Deep with Eden and Jess. Um, we spoke with Heidi Dusek, a author, a podcast host of Ordinary Sherpa, and an adventurer. A fantastic conversation. I'm gonna share some of your reflections first. Yeah. Uh, Heidi says, don't put me on a pedestal. Yeah. I'm not here to inspire you. Right. Uh, which is, I'm still, I'm still interpreting what that means and what she means when she says that. I think um, based on our working relationship and the great work that she does, I have a tendency to put her on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. So I don't think she was saying that personally to me. Um, I'm going to continue someone that I'm going to continue to look up mm -hmm. as a mentor, someone who's authentic and uh, taking leaps and experimenting and doing great things. Uh, but I'm interested in your take on that and what she meant when she said those things. Yeah. So what I got from that is that there can be sometimes this sense of pressure, mm -hmm. right? When you're, when you're seen as kind of being up here, um, you don't want to, she, she's not somebody who puts herself above other people, yeah. right? Yeah. She is a collaborator. Um, we, you know, we talked about that within her family, you know, collaborating there. And then also in a lot of the work that she's done doing, you know, working with people. Um, and so I think that's it. I think it's the, the added pressure maybe that, yeah that you can feel when um, you're seen as someone that is kind of higher or above. Um, there can be the sense of, you know, people looking to you maybe more often than you would like yeah. <laughs> for, yeah, because you're in that, that place of authority. So yeah, that's kind of how I took it. Yeah. That's but naturally, right? Like somebody who um, who places themselves as not who doesn't want to be that, but who is authentic and who does live what she, you know, she lives, she practices what she preaches, yeah. right? Like that is naturally inspiring, which yeah. is one of the things that we talked about there. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry, Heidi. You're still inspiring, <laughs> even if you're not trying to be. Uh, yeah, and she talks about collaboration and convening. Um, I don't care about the end result. I just want to build this together. Mm -hmm. She's got stories and that comes across as truly authentic in the work yeah. that I've done with her and in her designing this life with her family and mm -hmm. with her children. Uh, what else? Yeah, um, one of the things that I love that she talks about is learning the rules and then seeing the options. Oh. So not necessarily that you're breaking the rules but you're you're learning how to work with the system and make the system to make the system work for you and in mm -hmm. your favor so that's something that was a big takeaway for me um and uh something that i think can be really helpful to people is learn what is you know what are the rules what is the system and now now that i know the rules how can I make that work in my in my favor yeah. or our favor? Yeah. 
She talks a lot about feeling and defining success by feelings. Mm -hmm. uh, feelings and emotions are huge. I yeah. think too often we don't give those the attention that they deserve. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the quotes was, if something doesn't fit, I don't want to wear it. Yeah, I love right. that. So look for the things that fit and feel good mm -hmm. and spend your time in that space. Yeah. Uh, and even talking about energy. Uh, are you a person that is depleting my energy or filling me up? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have time to worry about the things that weren't bringing me energy. When she started to practice those things, and I think she was talking about gratitude, um, when you focus there, then, then that's where you spend your day and your time, and that fills up your time, and you don't have time to do other things. Mm -hmm. I think that was an important mind sh mindset shift that yes. she described. Yeah. I love the idea of um, when she describes her and the different ways that her and her husband think, mm -hmm. right? And the the can't say no for 24 hours, yeah. you know, sitting on an idea and then decide, and then at the end of the 24 hours, then saying, okay, was that just kind of a fleeting idea? Is that something that we really want to pursue? Or um, do we want to just let that go? Yeah. yeah, I love that. I asked her about how she deals with feedback and how she she mm. uh, deals with folks asking questions, uh, giving advice. Uh, what if people don't understand mm. what she's doing? And I thought she's had some really good quotes there. Uh, just, just how she views it. It isn't my job for them to understand. Uh, I don't have to explain myself. I don't have to prove that my plan is worthy to anyone else. Mm -hmm. Uh, and she goes on to say, people that don't believe in your hopes and dreams don't have to. Don't worry about them. Mm -hmm. that's, that, that's uh, it, that, to get to that space where you can live that and practice that and mm -hmm. build that and teach that, um, speaks a lot to, to how I view her in, in courage and bravery and making decisions. Yeah. And, and using feedback and, and um, support network that are positive influences. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings me just to the theme that sort of that this thread that's been running through all of the episodes is support. Mm -hmm. um, and just talking about how when she decided to take a break from work because of a situation with her daughter, she um, had support at work to be able to do that and then even in traveling just thinking about getting getting support getting advice from other people about how to how to do what it is that they're doing which yeah. is this amazing gap here um, where they're just her and her family are going to be on the road um traveling around the country yeah so yeah yeah Follow her stuff too. We'll link in the show notes. Uh, find Ordinary Sherpa on Instagram and the podcast. And her book is fabulous too. Beyond Normal, a field guide to embrace adventure, adventure. explore the wilderness, and design an extraordinary life with kids. Uh, she is sharing her journey. Uh, and, we'll and a lot of tools along the way too. Sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks all.
Uh, welcome to That's Deep with Eden and Jess. This is episode five. Uh, I am delighted to introduce Heidi Dusek to our listeners. Uh, excited about this guest. Uh, Heidi is a friend uh, and a mentor uh, and someone that I look up to uh, and has been supporting me on my journey uh, and has an incredible story to tell, her mm -hmm. stories to tell here. So I'm excited about this episode. Yeah. Hey, awesome. We'll jump in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to learn about your journey. Uh, and you have recently um, been working through redefining what success looked mm. like mm -hmm. uh, and thinking about that and writing about that and feeling that. Um, talk to me about kind of maybe your growth in that area, how you thought about success before, how that has changed and what that means to yeah. you. Yeah, so it has been a journey for yeah. sure, right? So I think growing up or really in life, so much of what we think success is externally defined by a dollar amount, an income, a title of the size of your house, the, you know, like all of these things are external indicators of what success looks like. And I don't know about, I don't have like an exact starting point on this journey, right? But there were times when I was like, but what does it feel like? What do I want it to feel like? And, and having achieved a, a title that I was really excited about, that I had been striving for, I kind of landed and then thought, is this it? Like, is, is this what it's supposed to feel like? Because it was a little anticlimactic, if I'm being completely honest. It was very enlightening work. I loved the work that I did. And yet at the same time, I was like, but I really felt called to be a mom, right? So I had three children and I felt like I wanted to be successful, not just in work, but in life. And what does success in life look like? And so I think that really led me on this journey, this discovery of if I take the entire circle, like if, if life is a circle and work mm -hmm. is a piece, like how much of, how much of that do I want work to be? Mm -hmm. Like how big of a piece do I want work to be? And what are the other pieces mm -hmm. and getting really intentional about, okay, so what does it look like to be a successful mom? It could look externally, like my house is clean, my kids are fat, you know, <laughs> or it could look like our house is a mess because we're having a blast. Right. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. really starting to lean into that as defining, like, what does it feel like to be successful in these roles in life. And I and I've, I don't even really use the word success very much anymore because um, I think there's a lot of connotations around that. So instead I've started to work towards what does joy look like mm -hmm. in these spaces or what mm -hmm. does fulfillment look like in these spaces instead of success, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. I think, um, as you said, there is a lot of, um, there's an idea of success as being external mm -hmm. and I always like to also use that word fulfillment like mm -hmm. what is what is fulfilling um in this area of my life and that kind of thing you went to school to be a teacher yeah as a young as a young child that was your dream I think as I'm reading through um some of what you were describing there and you've reached that so it's um being able to change, being able to get there and feel it and then make a change. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about maybe where you start? This isn't your first leap that you've taken. Yeah. So yeah. True. Yeah. True. Yeah. So I am a natural helper. I think that's one of the words that lands very well, or I love to contribute as part. It's like a core value of mine. 
Um, and I think growing up again, I only knew certain realms of what, where I could do that. Right. So I knew nursing and teaching and, mm -hmm. and neither of those probably fit the core of who I was, but it was the best option at the time. <laughs> and I don't know how else to say that. Cause I, I applaud teachers for the work they do, but I quickly learned when you get inside of a system, your ability to modify the system or make the system, like you feel like I had to adapt to the system. Yeah. And didn't have a lot of autonomy to make changes in the system. Yeah. And so I think it kind of pushed me to say, is this what I really wanted? Mm -hmm. And and how could I use my skills in different ways? Now, you've read the book, right? You know, mm -hmm. I had like a whole quarter life crisis around it. And it wasn't like it just was like, oh, I'm not going to be a teacher anymore. Because right. I had a lot of my identity really attached to my teacher, mm -hmm. you know, that mentality of being a teacher. And part of it came out of scarcity. So I do think I still welcome scarcity in my life because I think a lot of my growth happened in this time when I was really struggling and trying to figure out like, what do I want to be? What do I want to do? Where do I want to live? Mm -hmm. The world was my oyster and it was really challenging, right? When you could have it all and you're like, okay, what's your next step? I felt almost paralyzed by that. Mm -hmm. So I knew I needed a little bit of structure, but Part of me just kind of went after like, so what else is out there? What else could I do? How can I use my strengths as teaching in different environments? And I landed in public health, which is kind of similar. I was teaching more around health education and that led into some community change work in philanthropy and research and leading different organizations differently. So I really started to see that I can be a teacher and not be a teacher. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like yeah. I can teach in so many different ways, I don't have to be in a formal teaching role to be. So then in those, um, when you moved into that, those roles in more like community focused areas, did you feel that then you had a little bit more control, a little bit more autonomy, a little bit more ability to make bigger changes that you weren't beholden to a system? Yeah. Yeah, I think it gave me permission to not feel like I had to be the expert because when okay. you're the teacher, you're like in the front of the class, people are looking up to you. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I got to morph a little bit with each role to say like today I'm for lack of a better word, like quote unquote expert, right? I don't mm -hmm. ever, I don't ever feel like I'm the expert. I always feel like there's people ahead of me, but there are days when I can select out of being a teacher or that expert role and be the learner. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that gave me permission to really learn, explore, and be more curious as opposed to feel like I had to be in control. Sure. Okay. You're a strong collaborator and convener and you pick up other people's perspectives and you respect what they've done and then you bring that together. And I think that's kind of a superpower that you have in that role of leading community change. I don't know everything. I'm not the expert. Mm -hmm. I know that these people know mm -hmm. what they know. I believe in them as human beings. Mm -hmm. Let's get together and figure this out and create change. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a superpower. Thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> You talk about laughter and joy. You talk <laughs> yeah. about, you have an amazing laugh. Um, we'll see if we can get you a laugh once or twice today uh, so we can share like it with our listeners. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just got there. Yeah. <laughs> um, what makes you laugh? And you wrote about kind of the joy audit work that you explored. And I'm yeah. curious about that and would like you to share that with our listeners. 
Yeah. It's funny because I was very self-conscious of my laugh growing up. My brothers, I have three brothers and they make fun of me all the time. And I've learned like that's their love language. So it's okay to embrace that. And there was like this undertone of picking on each other and these hidden jokes or inside jokes. And, mm-hmm. and in my family, that felt like I was included, right? Mm-hmm. So for a long time, I kind of saw laughter and my loud, it's very loud. And it like people say, I can hear when Heidi's here, not because of her voice, but because of her laugh. Um, so I've embraced it. You know, I think that's one of those vulnerabilities when you realize you're the loudest person in the room that people notice you and look at you and you don't always love it. And it's pretty authentic, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a piece of me that I know when that comes out, like I'm in a place of contentment. So mm-hmm. having laughter in my life has been a guiding light, I think, to some degree. That um, noticing and, and no- noticing when I'm not laughing, I think was more the, the learning mm-hmm. journey that when things went quiet, I was really uncomfortable in that space or if, and I'm not opposed to quiet. So I want to be careful that I don't suggest that you have to be laughing all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause that's not necessarily what I'm saying, but when I didn't feel compelled to laugh, it was more of an anxious space that I was mm-hmm. in. Um, and there's nervous laughter that still comes out. So, you know, it's, it's knowing yeah. yourself, but also knowing like, is this authentic laughter or what is driving this laugh? And, mm-hmm. and when am I not laughing? So the joy audit kind of came about because I wanted to see an experience when my kids were in like, you know, that like moment when a kid just like laughs mm-hmm. and it, it makes everybody else laugh or they just smile. And, and those were moments that I was like, that just lit up my heart. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to know when are my kids in this joyous mm-hmm. space, right? And laughter is hard to fake. You can fake it, but you usually can hear the fakeness mm-hmm. of it. So in trying to embrace authenticity and getting true joy and experiencing true joy with my kids, I realized I wanted to be really hyper-focused on what does joy look like for them? Mm-hmm. And as opposed, cause now I've kind of done some discovery work, right? I've started to learn more about when I was I going quiet, what were my triggers or where was I not laughing? But I wasn't clear on what were my kids, what was making them laugh? What was making them happy? What were they remembering? So. The joy audit combines the geekery behind Heidi and the research side and like wanting to figure things like out yeah. with this desire to have meaningful relationships with my kids and mm-hmm. really getting to know them and exploring what was possible with them and, and, and helping them be themselves in the process, right? Not nurturing yeah. this idea of what success looks like and getting good grades or doing, you know, all these external things that sometimes mm-hmm. define it. I really wanted to go deep within them and say, what does this look like for you? Yeah. Um, One of the things that I love in the book that you talk about and just in general, what you're, what you do in your family is that it is very collaborative. Mm-hmm. You make decisions together. Um, so one of the questions that I have around that is what are some of the challenges? Cause you also talk about the love languages, mm-hmm. right? And everybody has a different way that they want to express love mm-hmm. than that they receive love. So how do you sort of navigate the different personalities, the different, um, the different love languages, mm-hmm. the different places, energies where people get joy or don't get joy, and um, and still maintain the sort of collaborative experience within the family. Yeah, yeah. So there's a part of that that just is easier. I'll be honest. 
if I can outsource some of that decision-making, it makes my life easier. Right. So then it's like, I don't have to figure this out because really there are so few things that I'm like, this is the way it has to be. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm just not that type of person. So for me, outsourcing it or collaborating or facilitating, whatever that looks like brings me joy. Right. So I don't really care what the end result is. I'm usually not tied to a product or a solution. I'm usually tied to the experience and the exploration of the experience. So for me, that has been, um, there's, there's a couple of funny stories and then maybe I'll, it started with my husband and I being on very different pages. I don't know that we're on different pages, but we are very different personalities, right? I'm a dreamer. He's practical. You know, I spend money. He makes, you know, like we are very different And, and we're like the yin and the yang. So there's, there's a piece of that where I was like, we have to figure this out. So one of our conversations, I, again, I love to like decorate our house and I love to do home projects, but I have the vision. I have no idea what it takes to get there. My husband is very hands-on. He is a, like, he can figure things out. He can make things happen. So I always say like, we're a great partnership, but at the same time, that can be really exhausting because what was happening was I'm like spewing out ideas. Right. And he's like, I can't spend that money. Do you know how long that's good? Like the questions inside of his head Mm -hmm. were exhausting. And every day this was happening, right? So I was like, we could do this and we could do this and we could do this, right? And and it can be really exhausting if you're the person like, how am I going to make that happen? How am I going to make that? Like, (laughs) it's impossible to live with me. So there was a moment when he was like, that is unrealistic. No, that's a bad idea. And I remember thinking, I didn't even know if it was a good idea, right? Like, I wasn't suggesting this was the thing I wanted. I was just sharing outwardly a thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized in the process of like all these ideas that it was just like a weight on him. So instead of feeling like a weight, I was like, what if we can't say no to each other for 24 hours and we just simmer with it? Because half the time the next morning, that idea had already been passed and I was over it, but he was still yeah. stewing on it. Right. Okay. And that helped us refine, like, are we still thinking about this 24 hours later? Do we still think there's value in this conversation? Mm-hmm. Is the energy to figure this out worth it? Mm-hmm. Um, so the 24 hour rule kind of became emboldened in our relationship And those were things too, as I started to sit with my kids is they would come up with ideas or things they wanted for Christmas. So this is a good example too. When they're making their Christmas list, I keep notes on my phone all the time, a -hmm. gift list, just ideas, things they mention, things that come up and I'll notice, do they say it over and over again? You know, it might be outwardly like, I want this. Oh, you've never mentioned that before. That's interesting. So I'll put it on the list. They don't always know that I'm putting it on the list, but I'll put it on the list and then I'll see, do they still want this a week later? Do they still want it a month later? Because then I started to say, okay, if this is something they're repeating over and over and over again, that might be something we actually want to do or experience together. We've tried to really focus on the simplicity of life and do things rather than buy Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's been you know, I, I was never opposed when the kids were little to buy gifts from the thrift store because mm-hmm. what's the purpose of the gift? It's, it's about the gift and about the experience. It wasn't necessarily, was it the bright, shiny object? Sure. Um, so we're really practical in that way. And we've tried mm-hmm. to encourage our kids to, you know, to join us in that type of value. So in terms of now how we give, they have dollars, they have money. And then we say, okay, what do you want to do with those dollars? We could go to the dollar store. You could have a $5 experience or you could save up that money and buy something you really want. You know, it, it kind of has been a journey as well in that space. So our kids have gotten better about 
I feel like we make lists about everything, but if they want something, a gift, or if they want to experience something, we put it down and we say, okay, what do you want to experience? What does that look like? We have an adventure list, a seasonal mm-hmm. adventure list. So what do you want to do in the next, we're home for three months or we're home. Well, we're not actually, we're not, <laughs> but from Christmas, well, here's a good story from September to December has been the longest we've been home without a trip. Mm-hmm. And a part of it was like a, like embracing home for the next three months. Cause we're going to not be home now for the next year. Sure. So what is it about home that you love and you want to experience and you want to do while we're here, mm-hmm. as opposed to what are you going to miss from the road? Right. What are those things? So experimenting, trying it out, really encouraging them to participate in the brainstorming mm-hmm. and then seeing like, are they still talking about this? Yeah. Those are some of the ways. I don't know that I, I really love, answered your question. I love that. Um, I don't even remember. It's okay. <laughs> um, but I love that. I love that um, not, you know, not doing the like instant gratification thing, yes. right? Just like give it some time, see, is this something that I still value? Is this something that's still worth my time and energy? Mm-hmm. Is this something that I really want to do or really want to have, whatever mm-hmm. it is? Um, and I love that 24-hour thing because I think um, we're very similar in that way. I have a million ideas under the sun. And so to like focus in one, focusing in on one thing or just like giving time, okay, what is really important? Like, what do I really value out of the this million ideas is there like a thousand that I really in the book you also talk about gratitude and you had just mentioned scare scarcity and gratitude is sort of that opposite yeah. right like it gives you that sense of abundance so maybe you can speak a little bit more to that, how you incorporate gratitude, how you teach your kids gratitude, um, you know, and maybe what that looks like at different ages. Yeah. Too. Interesting. Um, let me think about that for a second. <laughs> so I feel like the practice of gratitude is an acceptance and a reflection on what I have and what I can share mm. as opposed to what I don't have and what I want in some ways. Mm. I feel like they kind of counterbalance each other. And it's very easy to, in maybe it's Western culture, I'm not sure, but there's this like striving. We don't always see what we have, but we know what we want or what we're working towards. This goal set mindset. A high achiever mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. part of it. Yeah. And when I started to recognize this daily, and, and I'm not, I'm not good about anything daily, just so I'm clear. Like, <laughs> but a daily practice around gratitude is at the end of the day, I would notice, like, what did I, what am I proud of today? What did I? Mm-hmm. And part of it started to be around what did I accomplish today? And I, I, I didn't like that, right? So I wanted to say less about what did I do and more going back to how did I feel today or, or how, when did I feel gratitude? Um, I noticed those things don't cost anything. Mm-hmm. They often were acts of service or things that where I was helping yeah. someone else. And so again, going back to that's a core value of contribution and things of that nature. So I found it to be very empowering and it's not really well taught. Um, mm-hmm. And so modeling that with my kids, even things like, just kindness, just 
manners, gestures? Like, how do I feel when I'm around you? Yeah. Am I the type of person that depletes your energy or am I the person that fills you up? Right. Those mm-hmm. start to notice. And, and I started to notice who was depleting my energy mm-hmm. and who was filling me up. And when I was with those people, what were the things that we could do together that were gracious things um, where we were practicing gratitude together? It's not always intentional. I think sometimes it's spontaneous. It just happens. We're in a moment. We have an opportunity recognizing you're in a moment. You could take that. So, you know, when I'm with my kids, can I model things? Can I do things with them? Can we spend one-on-one time together where we're appreciating and valuing what we have instead of what we want. You know, those types of experiences were really important. So if I'll go back to the adventure list for a second, what I started to notice was that um, without getting too deep in the weeds around like the joy audit and how we did that, I started to notice the things that the kids really valued and found great joy in were a lot of one-on-one time spent with me. So if you go back to love languages, quality time is my love language. My kids' quality time was also high up. Physical touch was important. So like the types of things I did with them weren't necessarily things that were expensive. It didn't cost a lot of time. It didn't take a lot of energy. These were easy things for us to do. And they really were memorable. They were thinking and talking about those things weeks later. And so trying to just be really present has taught me to like gratitude helps me be more present because now I'm thinking a little bit of like, okay, what's my thing going to be today? I mean, again, I'm not good at it anymore, but I I feel like I'm a little bit past that where I know that being present is part of my joy philosophy or part of my gratitude philosophy that being present, I notice things that, um, you know, it helps me get out of the striver mentality and a little bit more into that gracious mindset. I, I wonder too, as we talk about the these like daily things, um, practices, I think as you're saying that I'm having this like maybe epiphany that at some point that practice turns into a lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? So now you don't have to necessarily, and I don't know if you like wrote lists or it was just like, thought as you're spending time with people or as you're spending time in service. Um, But you can sort of almost (laughs) up level from from doing the daily practice to incorporating it into your lifestyle. Like this is just how I operate in life is in gratitude. Yeah. I think what happens is when you start to put more of those things into your daily life, it squeezes out the things you don't want in your daily life. So it's like this natural unlearning Mm -hmm. of, I I didn't want to be a striver, but at the same sense, I didn't know how to not be a striver. Like it was kind of embedded, but as I practice more and more gratitude or more of those things in my daily life, I realized the more they fit in my life, I just didn't have as much time to worry about those external things, those things that mm-hmm. were previously defining my success or whatever that might be. So mm-hmm. it's almost like by through abundance and through this, like, um, oh, what's the word of like, I just squeezed out the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. So you had this, or you're, you're in this three month time of appreciating being at home because you are taking what you're what you call a gap year yeah can you speak to that a bit yeah so 
You know, I have long been a travel lover at mm-hmm. heart. Uh, I had to convince my husband that it was cool because he had not been that stock. <laughs> that was not a value of his. And once our kids are born, there was something that, um, you know, there was a little bit of a, I mean, I wouldn't call myself a rebel, but there was something in it where people expected me to conform to this idea of settling down as a mom. I feel mm-hmm. like you've been challenging status quo for a while. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, like yeah. I don't think I'm a rebel for rebel's sake, but if something doesn't fit, I don't want to wear it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So this idea of settling down just didn't fit me. So I had to figure out, like, how do I make it not fit? How do I make something else fit better? Mm-hmm. So travel has long been just something that lights me up. It was a way, as I explained it to my husband, it was a way for us to take a break from real life and just be. And traveling gave us yeah. the space and the place to do that, you know, because we're not as comfortable in a new, you know, you're in a new environment, you're around new people. It forces mm-hmm. you to be a little bit uncomfortable. It forces you to just embrace what's here. So for us, travel was kind of that um, escape. I don't, I don't know that I like the word escape though, because it's not like, it just forced us to be intentional about family life now. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't have the distractions of work. We didn't have the distractions of school and all the things because mm-hmm. those weren't happening on vacation. And while we were traveling, it eventually just, there's a little bit of not enoughness, right? <laughs> we never wanted to come home. We were not the family that was like, I can't wait to get in my own bed. Occasionally that was happened, but we just started to notice well, what does that look like? What if we started carrying our bed with us? So we didn't have to change beds every night. Mm. What if we had just enough stuff with us that it didn't feel like we were living out of a suitcase? What if mm. we made an opportunity where the dog, which was often the piece that was missed, um, yeah. could come with us, yeah. you know? And it ultimately created this opportunity that we felt like it was worth trying. And uh, in talking, going back to, in talking with my kids, they said, well, if we're going to do this, I don't want it to be, you know, there, there was a window that they created for us. My son is in seventh grade right now. And he pretty much was clear, like, I'm willing to do this now, but I don't want to do this in high school. And so it was a lot of trying things on for lack of a better word. I thought we were going to do an around the world trip. I thought we were going to take a year, travel around the world, you know, be expats, so to speak. And it took us spending a couple different things. Um, we rented an RV in 2020, mm-hmm. which was how we felt we could travel safely and comfortably and, and do the things that we needed to do and still follow the protocols. That was an eye-opening experience. And then another thing was we did a month in Hawaii. So I've crafted this life where I've made it so that it's affordable, so that we can you know, design our lives, we can test different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and a month in Hawaii really taught us we don't really like living in different places every week. We want kind of something to come home home to. Okay. The kids yeah. really miss the dog. And that was the thing, like this would be fine if the dog was here. Otherwise, like it's starting to feel uncomfortable. And so while they loved all the stuff, um, we found we wanted extended time period together. And it felt like the window of opportunity to do this was closing, mm-hmm. meaning like we, we didn't feel, or, I mean, I could have done it at any time, but I wanted those outside constrictions to really help make this the best experience for all of us. Yeah. So my son telling me I'm not doing this as a freshman in high school, mm-hmm. I listened and said, okay, then I guess we have to do it now. Um, and there's this, uh, you know, I think we can talk a lot more about this, but there's this mentality of we made the plan and we've been making the plan for years. 
we tested the parts and pieces of the plan, but then there's the step, right? The actual step and say, okay, now's the time. So we had been saving what we said was a year's worth of our living expenses. Mm -hmm. And we hit that. And I remember looking at my husband saying, now what do we do? <laughs> like we said when we saved that much money that we would like yeah, take the next leap. Yeah. And I remember saying like, so I should resign. And I was like, <laughs> I, don't I don't know, right? So he left first. He left his job first to just, he'd done a little less of the internal work in terms of what it was like, because we saved his money uh, or his salary to really help fund a lot of this. And and then I realized like, oh, but he hasn't done the mindset work around tying your identity to work or having contributing dollars to the family income is a form of contribution for him. So it was, okay. it was these different things that we learned along the way, but yes, we are. Um, so, and then taking that. Yeah. Right. Like, like the ups and downs and emotions and feelings for you, for your family. Mm -hmm. uh, talk us through what that looks like and what that feels like and maybe techniques or mindsets or practices that you've used to keep it positive when you're down yeah what does down feel like and how do you get out of it mm, okay let's start there yeah um i call them anxious mondays mm. when everybody goes to work there's a yeah. routine there's a set procedure that the rest of the world seems to be embarking on and mine looks different right? you get Sunday scaries um, Sunday night scary Sundays were fine yeah it was Mondays yeah. Mondays were always hard days for me and and this was more often actually when my husband wasn't working than when I was so I, I feel like I got a practice round in there because yeah. he I had you know I felt it with him and so part of it was finding people who've done this. Mm -hmm. I, I think part of the reason I'm so drawn to community is there's there's something to be said of people who are ahead of you on the path. Mm -hmm. and, and so I remember having a conversation with you after you left and it's so much easier to like put this out into the world than to really believe it, right? Yeah. So it's easier to, for me to encourage someone else to do it than to encourage <laughs> myself to do it. So I remember in talking with you actually, that um, it felt like there was so much left to do at my job and feeling the scarcity around that. Like, sure. how am I going to get all this done? And I think you flipped it for me and said, well, why don't you focus on all that you can be proud of that you accomplished, right? So instead of focusing on the next three months, think about the last four, six years of what you have accomplished. So that was really helpful is, again, it almost is like a gratitude practice mm -hmm. of like, yeah. focusing on what you have already what you already have as opposed to what you don't have right um I had a conversation so a couple things happened that really triggered I, I don't know if trigger is the right word but really pushed me to taking the leap one of them was my daughter had an accident last year where she broke both arms and it's I mean in times of struggle you start to notice what really matters yeah. so yeah that was a really hard experience for me to go through the the traumatic I, I was fine in the moment it was actually after she was healed that I realized all I had done in the last three months and was exhausted and just did not feel like I wanted any of those things in my previous like back you know the the role or some of the stuff that I had yeah. um having conversations with my boss at the time I actually have a really open relationship with my boss and that was helpful because she's 10 years older than me ish. I mean, I'm not keeping track, but I remember saying, I 
am having a hard time right now. And this mm-hmm. was in the midst of my ex- my daughter's accident and like figuring out what work looked like in that moment. And, mm-hmm. and then I remember saying, I think I need to take some time off. Met- at that point, it was kind of like a mental health well-being perspective. I just need a break. I just need less in my life. Um, and so I took this, this summer or the last summer, I should say, we took a four week uninterrupted, not working kind of sabbatical mm-hmm. um, to test this idea of like, is that what I needed? Is that enough? And I think this like conversation around enough is an interesting one too, right? So what does enough look like? What does it feel like? Is it things? Is it, what was it? And I realized in that experience, we took, again, I think it was just over 30 days, like 35 days or something. Nobody was really ready to come home. And I was like, I don't think this was enough. I don't think this, it wasn't like a glorified vacation that I needed. I actually wanted less. I actually wanted to not have, I didn't want to be in charge of stuff. I just wanted to be a participant in my own life again, instead of feeling like I was designing this life and encouraging everybody else. I just, it was like, I just want you to tell me there were days I remember thinking I was a leader of the organization. So Mm -hmm. it felt like I was, I was having to tell everybody else what to do, or, you know, that I had to design the programs. And I was like, I just want to show up and be told what to do today. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to be a worker today, Mm -hmm. or I just want to be a participant. I don't Mm -hmm. want to have to lead something. And I think that was the piece where I was like, you know, I, I went to my boss going back to that conversation and I was like, okay, you're 10 years ahead of me. If you were in this situation right now and you knew kind of where I was and where I'm headed, what would you do? And she was like, take the gap year. (laughs) A woman that loves you, that supports you, that believes in you, that knows how talented you are in your current role. Yeah. Uh, gave you the courage to yeah. take the leap and so yeah it helped me see what there's a little bit of FOMO right of like the fear of missing this opportunity yeah. and yet at the same time I it's like loss aversion right so I I was so afraid that in 10 years I would look back and regret not taking this mm-hmm. as opposed to the fear of taking it and that yeah. was so much stronger it was like I didn't hate my job, right? I didn't mm-hmm. hate my life. I, it wasn't like I was escaping from this anymore. It was now like the pull, the magnet of this lifestyle over here that we were aspiring to was so strong. It felt like I was cutting a piece of my arm off if, or something if I didn't do it. You know, it almost felt like such a part yeah. of me that I couldn't imagine not doing it anymore. And so then it became, okay, if not when, then how, right? How am I going to make this work? What does it look like to be? So then I started to imagine what do I want? If we take this gap year, does it mean I'm not working at all? What does enough work look like? What does intellectual connection work look like? Mm-hmm. So I started to rethink what that sliver of work might be mm-hmm. as opposed to, so, so we are still work, working, sure. yeah. <laughs> garnering income in yeah. some way, but it's work that feels really empowering. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a detraction from our lifestyle. Okay. Um, oh, shoot. I should write down my questions as I think of them. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, so I guess let's talk about, so you're going on the road. Your son talked about, okay, I don't want to do this when I'm in high school, right? Because there's social connections mm-hmm. that he's going to want. Um, and so I guess probably well, let's do two things. 
um, on the road, thinking about those social connections mm -hmm. because it's going to be the family together 24 mm -hmm. seven and um, maybe ways in which you have started to connect with other families that are already doing this mm -hmm. or what that looks like to pursue that on the road. And then the second question that I kind of have around this, which is a little bit more um, maybe kind of in that like practical, like how does just kind of curious, how does this work? Healthcare, yeah, <laughs> right? Like you're gonna be traveling through different states, through different areas something yep. happens like where do you go yep. what does insurance look like what is all <laughs> yeah yeah all those things right yeah yeah let's talk about social connection first because yeah. this was really the piece that I was most nervous about I mm -hmm. felt like we were going to be isolated in mm -hmm. our RV mm -hmm. so and connection is huge for me like I'm generally an extrovert generally speaking, you know, I, I maybe would call myself an ambervert if you had to put me in because I don't like to put myself in a box, but sure. I was nervous about this. So in 2020, I started a podcast in part so that I could have interesting conversations of people who'd done stuff like this, mm -hmm. not necessarily just this, but like, what does it look like to connect with people on the road mm -hmm. where you're, you don't know anybody or how do you meet people? We had struggled with that as adults in general. Like, I don't want to go to a bar anymore to meet people. Where do you meet people as an adult right. to have yep. friends? Yep. And <laughs> I think it got easier when I had kids, but I don't know that it was easy. So uh, the podcast helped give me a platform for connection. Mm -hmm. I think that was really helpful and, and still is. I joined a number of different groups. So there's um, a membership that you can join called full-time families. It's for families on the road, mm -hmm. specifically for RV families. Of, sure. So these are kind of nomadic families of families that are doing it. I started following people again, who were ahead of me on this journey and picking the parts and pieces that I think fit us and didn't fit us. So, you know, I never wanted to conform per se to, oh, that's how I have to do it. It was more, mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. They have middle school students and they're unschooling on the road. That's mm -hmm. very different than homeschooling a five-year-old. You know, I think mm -hmm. the mentality and the method was different. And then the other piece was experimenting. So when we took this month-long sabbatical, if you want to call it that, in 2022, we were in the RV and we just noticed like, where, where did we meet people? Did you guys feel like you didn't have any friends? What did you do? You know, mm -hmm. My kids make friends so fast. Like it's, Im it's impossible for us to play at the playground. My seven-year-old is at the playground and it almost became a joke. My oldest son would be like, how long do you think it'll take for your youngest to, to make friends? <laughs> I bet you it's less than an hour. Like we'd be at a pool, we'd be on a playground, we'd be somewhere. Yeah. And he instantly was making friends. So how does he do it? Like what's, what's a superpower? His superpower is he just isn't afraid to ask questions, mm -hmm. right? So he's willing to go up to people and just say stuff, yeah. you know, like little yeah. four-year-olds. They're super curious. So we joked about that for a long time that, you know, like what's the go time, right? So we just start the timer and then see how long it takes. So it was not a problem for him. My oldest actually appreciated the fact that he, he didn't have to entertain his younger siblings. He actually finally got alone time. Mm -hmm. Um, he went really deep into his interest around fly fishing and tying flies. And so he felt like I now have time for me and the things I enjoy and the things I like. Yeah. So he was less concerned about that. And then kind of what happened spontaneously and organically, we were in a hot springs in Idaho 
and a, another family with two girls showed up and we just had a conversation. They've been on the road for two and a half years. We're like, oh, interesting. How's this going? You know, what are you guys up to? And ironically, it was through them that we felt like we needed to slow down even more mm -hmm. because we met them on maybe like a Tuesday. There was another family in an RV kind of near us because they were, you know, they had their name on the side of their schoolie. And we realized like in both of those instances, we could have built friendships, but we were in a rush. We didn't have the time to slow down and do mm -hmm. the organic things like go to the farmer's market with them or go, there was live music where this other family was staying. We could have went there one night and we just felt like, oh, but we're moving on, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So we felt like we, we didn't have enough time to mm -hmm. actually hang out and do the things we could have done to build friendships along the way too. We were yeah. trying to force them yeah. and make it fit our schedule. So that I think was a huge learning on the social connection front. Uh, on the healthcare front, well, we had an experience. <laughs> so uh, my daughter's accident happened in Texas. We were, it was um, New Year's Eve, which is like the worst day to have an accident because now you're spreading over two calendar years, i.e. two deductibles. Um, so we figured it out pretty quick in that. <clears throat> so she broke both arms. Um, her wrist in both arms and then had extensive surgery on her elbow. She was in arm cast from, you know, her shoulder all the way down to her fingertips. Um, and so I learned and I had gotten this insight is pretty much anywhere you travel in the United States. If it's an emergency, it's under your health insurance plan. Mm -hmm. So if you are considered an emergency room or something like that, it's okay. Cause it's, it's, you're covered. It's when you get, um, discharged, <laughs> that it's no longer an emergency or they tell you to go back to your home network. Mm. So <clears throat> I had read a book, um, full-time family RVing, something like that. I don't remember what the name of the book was where they had shared their experience of having an accident on the road and how they managed it and worked within their network. But what I learned is there are many more options than what we think there are. Um, there are benefit plans, ACA covers you and so you know like there's a lot of things you just have to know the nuances of how the system works so I feel okay. like one of my superpowers has also been learning the rules of the system and figuring out how to make them work for us yeah yeah so I when we went to the ER that day which was a less than desirable experience but I immediately told the ER doctor we are from Wisconsin. Anything that happens today is an emergency. Don't discharge us, right? Like mm. we need to stay within the ER system in order for this to be covered. Now that doctor was not very nice. And she was like, oh, great. That just makes my day so much easier. And I was like, but <laughs> right. You're like, okay, I'm noticing this. So we got transferred to the children's ER, children's hospital in Texas ER. I said the same spiel there, right? Anything that happens has to be done under emergency room. We're from Wisconsin. We're out of network. Da, 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 da. So I think they understood that. And, mm -hmm. and they're not breaking the rules either. They're doing what they need to within their system. But knowing the rules of the system, knowing what questions to ask was really empowering as well. And yeah. being an advocate then for my daughter in, in those moments, it wasn't easy. I mean, we mm -hmm. were in an RV. It also was like crazy storms in Texas. So I remember after, oh my gosh. We got to children's at like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. We got admitted to the peds floor to be scheduled for surgery at 3 a.m. We, the accident happened at like 10 a.m. that day. So like we had been in hospitals all day long. It was yeah. a long day and she was scheduled to be the first surgery in the morning. That didn't happen either. She didn't have surgery until four o'clock the next day. Um, but my husband came in at 6 a.m. 
we were in the RV, the dog was with us. We had just come from New Mexico visiting family. We were out adventuring. We were mountain biking when the accident happened. Um, so you have all these like expectations and things. And my husband came in and I remember hearing with the owners of the RV with Wisconsin license plates, <laughs> like, please tell me it's not on fire. Like, please. Right. So um, what I have learned, come to learn is You're that. Still park. No, I, I guess. <laughs> no, they actually told us that there was an RV parking lot. Oh, got it. And we could have full hookups. Oh. So in the midst of this, there's a storm brewing in Texas. It's like negative 30 wind chills. Not ideal, right? So having hookups was really nice. We oh. could turn the furnace on, turn the heat on, turn the, you know, we had a power then too, which we do, but it made life easier. Um, but in the midst of all of this, what I have learned is when you're in these really hard places, things happen for the better, right? So people show up in your life. Mm -hmm. And so that's going back to gratitude. I was really gracious that a couple showed up on trail to go get us help. Another person showed up that was a trauma nurse that had had so many experiences with her son's breaking arms and bones from mountain biking. Um, people showed up. I don't know how else to describe it, mm -hmm. but people came to help us. When we, we didn't have to ask, we didn't put it out there. We didn't start a fund. We didn't do any of that, but people saw that we were hurting and they showed up to help us and yeah. make our lives easier. Yeah, that reminds me of the story that you tell in the book. Um, the book of which, by the way, is called Beyond Normal, which we yeah. probably mentioned yeah, at some point. <laughs> I'm the worst marketer of the <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Beyond Normal, a field guide to embrace adventure, explore the wilderness and design an extraordinary life with kids. Um, and you talk about a moment where you're at an airport and your daughter yeah. right, gets sick and all of the people that end up like you're at, your first instinct is like embarrassment, right? <laughs> and then other people are like, oh, how can I help? Right. You know, and so that shift of shift in perspective, maybe that shift in mindset as well into, oh, this is okay. It's okay that this is happening. People are not mad at me or yeah. upset about it. Like they actually want to help and they yeah. care. I think that, yeah. So in the, that story, an example, my daughter gets sick in the airport and she's throwing up and I'm again, embarrassed. Right. Cause I was like, what am I doing? I'm like taking my daughter on an airplane. Like this just literally happened. We stayed at a hotel the night before. It's like a, you know, one of those crazy early flights. And she's like, I don't feel good. And it just like happened. There was no warning. Um, and I was literally sitting on the floor trying to clean up the puke. And someone came up and was like, what are you doing? Like, take care of your daughter. And I'm thinking like, I'm clean with this Nobody wants to do with my daughter. Like, I was just appalled. And someone's like, miss, we have it. Like, take care of your daughter. And another person at one point, like held her hair back while she was, and, and I'm like, Whoa, like I've got stuff in my arms everywhere. You know, people show up yeah. when you least expect it. Like, I think it has taught me the good in this world that mm -hmm. you know it's easy to focus on all the things that could go wrong mm -hmm. and I could go down that mental space of uh, fear and anxiety and you know just worry but in some of my most trying times that hasn't been the case mm -hmm. and so going back to how did I take the leap yes all of those things still show up often and usually it's on Mondays yeah. 
And by Friday, it seems to have resolved itself. Yeah. And it's not me putting it out. And, you know, I might be vulnerable at times, but at the same space, I don't always have to like draw attention to it. I just have to, I don't know. It just shows up. It's like I'm manifesting. Well, you believe this. it. That is, yeah. that is, you believe that you are manifesting it. You know that it's not that big of a deal yeah. and that it'll work out in the end. Um, and at the end of week, you'll be in a different space mm -hmm. as long as you allow yourself to be in a different space. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. I wanted to go back to um, now that I remember the question, and I did write it down, but all I wrote was test, um, <laughs> but testing things out. Oh, yeah. And I love that way of thinking about doing life as just, let's test this out. Let's mm -hmm. explore this. Let's see how this feels. It's not so... Um, you know, this is set in stone. If this doesn't work out, it's the end of the world. Mm -hmm. It's more just like this perspective of um, if this doesn't work out, that's okay. Mm -hmm. We can move in a different direction mm -hmm. or um, back out or move forward or right move to the right, move to the left, yeah. whatever it is that we need to do. Um, so I guess kind of where does that come from in your life? Um, is there something, cause you talked a, a little bit about, um, this idea of, of being normal, this idea of having expectations, maybe externally put on you. Um, was there a bit of testing, um, exploration in your own upbringing, or was this something that kind of, you kind of navigated to through your own life experience hmm. or desire for adventure? I don't know that it was modeled for me growing sure. up. I think um, we had very specific plans, right? <laughs> and I feel like I followed the plan. Yeah. Um, and I talk in the book a little bit about like, I followed the plan and the plan lied, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't really meet mm -hmm. what I thought it was going to meet. Mm -hmm. So having been an achiever and a goal setter and someone who was in all the things, I didn't feel like that served me by the time I got to this ideal life and realized like, I didn't even want this. Like, this is someone else's life. I don't, I never asked for these things, but this, like, this was the plan. Right. So there was a little bit of that in the learning early on. But I think as I got more involved in leadership and in strategy work, you know, you don't, plan, 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 do, and everything works out. Like that's just not how business worked. Mm -hmm. So I was learning alongside of this lifestyle design in the human centered design space, right? It's like, so you have this empathy experience, you see the opportunity and then you test it and you mm -hmm. see what comes of that. Like, what can we glean from this? Where were we right? Where were we wrong? Where might we mm -hmm. tweak things? Yeah. And that really like landed in my soul <laughs> because I was like, oh, I'm living this. It's not just in work anymore. So I started to draw from all these different experiences, both from work and business. But then even like I, I knew that someone else's life wasn't going to be my life. So finding what fit and what worked wasn't something I could plan for. Now, I'm a planner at heart and I love to plan. So I like to know where we're going. I love to have the options. But I've learned like I don't care if we follow this. I just want to know what the options are so I don't feel stuck. Yeah. when we're there or what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And that I think learning, learning the rules, learning the options, however you want to frame it has been very empowering because now I get to see the menu and I get to go, oh, I want this, but I don't want this. And so testing has been 
me creating the menu and deciding like, do I want shrimp on Tuesdays? I don't know, like maybe not. It's the same, right? It's the same concept. Like I don't feel like having shrimp anymore. Well, what do you want instead? Testing is the same thing in lifestyle. Same thing with schooling. It's it, it's all, every section of our life, I feel has the opportunity to test and look at what the options are mm-hmm. and figure out what fits. Yeah. So it's empowering. How do you use feedback? How, how do you use, you describe this mm-hmm. to people and they don't get it. Yeah. Maybe most people are like, I don't understand it. Yeah. Or um, why are you doing it? Uh, probably not at a, at a, from a position of don'ts, right. but of a, this is new and this is different and this sounds crazy. How do you quiet them? Mm. And, and, and who do you, right? And, and, and there are also people likely that say, heck yeah, do it, yeah. right? Yeah. Or, or can I come with or yeah. tell your stories? Uh, how do you balance as you're sharing your story and as you plan for this journey, how do you balance how people react mm-hmm. to it or or do you care how people react to it yeah it's a full spectrum yeah. and in many ways i joke like i just want to be ordinary right i don't want to be a light for people and people want to put me on a pedestal sometimes and i don't love that yeah. so i think that's the harder one for me to manage that's is like when people want you to inspire them and i was like but i just want to live my life like i don't want to be a light I was, I just came off of a weekend where I said that, like, I think I'm going to go to all events where I never know anybody anymore because I don't really want anybody to know me in the room. Like, I just like being a sponge and observing. And and so often my friend was like, I don't know that that's possible for you. (laughs) You just have this like energy and you draw people in, like they're going to want to be around you. And I was like, okay, let's just embrace it then. (laughs) Um, So I think there's both, right? So there is that. And I've probably struggled more with giving myself permission to inspire others and tell my story as like giving, mm-hmm. making the menu for someone, right? To see what the options are, to know that there's other things out there. So that has probably been the harder role to fall into. The naysayers of the group who have all the questions. Um, so I didn't tell anybody for a really long time that we were doing this. It wasn't until July of last year that I started to outwardly say that we were doing this. In fact, I joked because um, when I resigned, our, my board chair came in and he's in his seventies and I kind of laughed. I was like, he goes, well, I don't really understand it, but good for you. You know, and I, I, and personally, I was like, I need this feedback. Yeah. And here's why, because yeah. I hadn't told my parents yet, uh, because I didn't know how they were going to react. So I'm like, you're giving me a test run at like, what is my dad going to say? Right. Sure. Because I knew my dad was going to be worried about like healthcare, about money, mm-hmm. about the property. Cause we weren't selling our house. Like, what are you going to do with the house? Like they were going to have all the questions and answering and like proving myself was exhausting. So yeah. that like, that was the energy drain on both sides. And yet at the same time, I just kind of started to say, like, it's not my job for them to understand. Like, I don't mm. have to explain myself. I like that. I need to be comfortable feeling like I've done all of this work. I've done all of this research. I've made the plan. And I know things aren't going to go according to plan. And I don't have to prove that my plan is worthy to someone else. So I think it's not easy, right? So there's this space, it's a big spectrum. And on any given day, I get to decide like, where am I in the spectrum? Mm -hmm. And who do I 
there are days I don't want to talk about it because mm -hmm. it's it's anxiety provoking for me and I'm not in a good space. So I don't want to be inspiring someone else. Um, I also know that sometimes that gives that gives permission, right? So if I can empower someone else to ask questions and I, I want to be there, but I also have to be like, is this a person that's going to give me energy back in return? Or is this just going to be yeah. a drain on my energy on multiple spectrums? I think that's, that's the guiding light for me. But it's easy to go down the rabbit hole of people who don't believe in your wishes or your dreams. They yeah. don't need to. You know, I think that was the other piece. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I absolutely love that. Yeah. So you have the book. You're on Instagram. You yeah. have Ordinary Sherpa, your podcast. You are, are, are out there on social media. How do you navigate authenticity in that space mm. and some of the challenges and joys um, to sharing who you are and who your family is? And maybe even also thinking about how does your family feel yes. about being shared yeah. on social? Yeah. Um, I don't think my family knows much different. So I was a photographer before this. So I feel okay. like I've always been taking pictures. Yeah. So for them, this is just mom. This is like, mom <laughs> is, right? so there's a piece of that. Um, but I will share a moment. My son has a health issue, uh, an underlying health condition that makes this a little bit more complicated. Um, and I have I don't know. I don't know if it's like an epiphany or whatever, but I had a moment where I realized like, I don't want to tell his story for him. It's his like story yeah. to tell. Yep. And he gets to decide when and who he shares that story with. So there's been some boundary setting on what do we share? What don't we share? Who's comfortable with what? So in yes. the example of my daughter's accident, she had full autonomy to share what she wanted, Okay. you know, to tell me, do you want me to share this picture. And there was a moment. So when she got her cast off, um, she had new casts every six weeks or whatever, every three weeks or something. Um, and in one of them, her arms looked really disgusting and she was really like, she lost all the muscle, mm -hmm. they had atrophied and she just felt really gross and disgusting. Um, and it was a really hard day for her. And I was like, do you want me to talk about this? And she's like, no, I don't. Right. So empowering, asking my kids to be a part of the story, as opposed to like having them be characters in the story, yeah. I think gives them the ability to, to say, to know that they can say no mm -hmm. and honoring that. Now we did come back around and share that when she was ready, cause mm -hmm. she was open to it. And she actually is going to be on my podcast and tell the story about it, but oh, nice. um, oh, it's yeah. on her terms. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's my, that's my point is like, is this a boundary that I'm willing to cross and for what value? So mm. are we fully authentic on Instagram? No, we're not. I will. I know that. Mm -hmm. Where am I fully authentic? I'm willing to do that in written format. So I've told people like, mm -hmm. if you want the real story, be on my email list because I can share more openly, like how I feel mm -hmm. in part because I can control the response. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that I mean, I, there's a friend of mine wrote a book, Fire the Haters. And I thought that was really interesting because she tells you like, where are the spaces where you can control the narrative? Mm. And on Instagram, I don't know that I want to see what people think, right? It goes back yeah. to, 
Is that going to be exhausting? And I'm, am I going to have to not read the comments because I'll be too frustrated? There's been a couple of things I've shared about our gap year and people are like, what about this? And what about that? And what about that? And I was like, it goes back to like my parents asking all those questions, right? And I didn't yeah. want to deal with it. So yeah. it's not that I ignore them, but sometimes I'll collect those questions and then create a podcast about it. And then I'll just mm -hmm. promote the podcast in, in response to their questions. So yeah. I think it's deciding how I want that to take or detract my energy mm -hmm. and what I want to do with that and how much do I want to show up? You know, I'm, I don't talk about certain things on, on any of the media just mm -hmm. because it's, it's sacred space for my family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like, I think that's huge to, again, I mean, you're, you've already built this life of family collaborating, contributing to what you're doing and you're not just taking um, the family with you and what mm -hmm. you want to do, but they get a say in that as well. And I have a follow-up to that actually too, because yes, I think please. there's another piece of trying to make everybody happy in this. It's like very easy to be the pleaser. And so I might not post something because it aligns with me, or I might post it knowing that it's going to create controversy and it helps me. I always real. I'm like, well, they're not my people. Right. So it's yeah. giving me permission to say yeah. things that might be controversial and being okay with that too. Yeah. So I think it's helped me really refine who I am and who I'm not as yeah. ordinary Sherpa, right? What is my goal in this space? Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's okay if I don't attract everybody. I'm not for everybody. I know that. in this space. I like that. And I like that. Um, I, I mean, heard that many times from different people, you know, not everyone is for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, you have a particular audience that enjoys what you do, um, enjoys what you write, enjoys what you put out there. And um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. What else? Yeah, we're getting close. Uh, okay. I on time i did want to talk about it maybe close with be brave and keep going <laughs> yes yeah that was like in, that. in your letter uh yeah. you had a story behind it um, i know you're not setting out to inspire folks to chase their dreams um when i read your stuff and listen to you there's a piece of that that mm -hmm. is inspirational i talked about how um feel like the the characteristics that you have uh, courageousness that you have is something that i'm looking to instill into my kids mm -hmm. um, to have them have the confidence and self-confidence and self-awareness to go do what they want to mm -hmm. do to find what they want to do you talked about your journey it's not that linear process to mm -hmm. here's what i want to do and i'm going to go do it uh, but being agile once you get there to see how it feels. Mm -hmm. You can yeah. talk a little bit about that piece of it. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. happy to. So the be brave and keep going actually came from a necklace that I was wearing in a very vulnerable moment when I was feeling, so I was maybe three weeks into the job and I was following someone who was very career oriented. Like her career was her life. She didn't have any kids. And I knew at the outset that I wasn't going to be like her, right? And I was making that very clear, but at the same time, I was feeling it. Right. So I was feeling like I need to conform to this in order to be successful. And it was a very dark space where I was just like, what the hell did I do? Why am I, why did I take this job? I'm not cut out for this. It was a lot of imposter-ish mm -hmm. feelings. 
Um, and I had this necklace on that said, be brave and keep going. And, um, you know, I think we learn a lot in our most vulnerable times about ourselves and about what happens in those spaces. And so I just realized, you know, okay, I'm just going to let that sit for a little bit. And you can sit in that uncomfortableness. I think it's healthy. I call it like the dirty diaper. Like there's space for discomfort in all of this and listening and leaning into discomfort, I think is really empowering. So I didn't forget that moment. And then one of those anxious Mondays, I was training one of our new staff members. And I just had one of those, like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing same kind of moment? Right. But now I'm leaving. And she looked at me and she said, you are the first woman I've ever seen do something bold and brave. I've never seen a leader like you do this. So I think you're brave for what it's worth. I think you're brave. And I was like, Ooh, that feels much better than the crap I was just saying to myself. Yep. So I was and it kind of brought me back to that. Be brave and keep going. Um, Cause there's a lot of times when there's no path, right? There's not a clear defined next step and you have to figure it out and you could miss up, but it's okay. Just keep going. Like you don't find the summit based on, you know, you don't just get to the summit, right? You have to take the next step in order to get there. And so um, I did not want to leave some big inspiring message about, I don't know what we've accomplished because it felt like too much. It was all of us. Like we've yeah. done a lot of really good work together. Yeah. Um, and if, if what I'm doing gives you permission to try something different, then go after it. Uh, and don't be afraid to be brave because there's not always going to be a clear answer or a clear next step. So being willing to take that step is really empowering. Yeah, I'm glad it enlightens people. That's not really why that's I do it. That's not the goal. Yeah. Right. I think that part of it is yeah. inspiring. Yeah. You're not <laughs> doing it to inspire people. You're doing it because you believe in it. It yeah. makes you feel good. Yeah. The people that you love, you bring it with. Yeah. That's the inspiration. Yeah. That's, can, that's really living your values, yes. living what you love is the inspiration. Yeah. So whether you want it to be, you know, because I, I almost, it's almost like when people are trying to be inspiring, yes. it comes off as inauthentic. Yes. But when you're not trying to be inspiring necessarily, you just happen to really strongly believe in this thing. Mm-hmm. It's natural. inspiration yeah yeah I also have found that and I think that can be true in so many different ways when you start to really lean into that and realize what am I authentically like I've I've shared I have a high value for contribution well contribution can look a million different ways Mm -hmm. um and I'm I'm testing like what does that look like can I contribute and still make money does it mean like it's Mm -hmm. one or the other Mm -hmm. right and there's again there's no wrong answer here but if money is the motivator, does it feel the same as mm. just contributing because it comes from a place of, of passion and of, I don't know, whatever it feels like. Will you share that story? Yeah. yeah, that's what that's what kind of the next generation, that's that's the next generation of ordinary, yeah. or at least a piece of that. Yeah. Because I think that will help a lot of people to understand yeah. that piece and that tie to money and what it feels like. And I think not. people think they want the tactical. Yeah. They want the plan. They want you to, and yet at the same time, I'm like, sure, I can tell you all those things. I can tell you what I'm doing for healthcare. I can tell you how I funded it, but I can also tell you like, that's the least interesting thing about this. Mm-hmm. It's like, once you figure it out and you learn, you're like, oh, okay, great. Got that done. Um, so it's empowering to get beyond the tactical mm-hmm. and beyond just the plan 
to start experiment, to start trying things, to figure out like what, what does that plan look like for you? Cause mm-hmm. it's going to be different. And just knowing what the options are, I think is empowering, but um, I've come to say like, yeah, that's, that's the least interesting thing to talk about. Like, yeah. <laughs> sure I will, but yeah. if you really want me to do an entire episode on healthcare, it's like, blah. <laughs> Um, it's fear-driven instead of, um, word. I feel like it's not the abundant mindset, Mm -hmm. knowing that there's options out there and then figuring out which options are going to work for you is more what I'm trying to cultivate. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else that you want to share? Was there something we didn't ask you about? You'd like to share as part of this incredible discussion. Yeah. Um, I don't think you have to take a gap year to experience all of these things. So the gap year is what has been big and bold for me, but I really wanted in my space to talk about adventure being the thing that was just uncomfortable every day, trying something new, being willing to take a risk and practicing taking that risk. Mm. So I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of like research because I can be that kind of downer, but there is significant research that also shows that the more you practice getting uncomfortable, it actually increases the floor of your dopamine. So in terms of like mental health and well-being, yeah. there's there's actually great value in practicing things like this and determining what adventure looks like for you. Yeah. It could be public speaking, right? And there could be value to that. It could be taking a trip. It could be simply going somewhere in my neighborhood that I've never been before. So I don't want people to put this idea of a gap year on a pedestal either and say like, mm-hmm. oh, I have to have that in order to experience all those things. This has just been what we've decided mm-hmm. that we want to try. I'm probably as nervous about coming back to work, right? Yeah. What do I want my next job to look like? Because I do actually want to come back to work. I like the structure. I like that intellectual piece of work. I don't dislike it. And I don't think I want to be an entrepreneur all my life. Like, I don't think that's the thing. So I think it's interesting. Like it can be so many different things as to what adventure looks like and figure out what that adventure looks like for you and just take the next first step. Nice. Yeah. And you, you talk about that in, in your book. I think that, um, that space where you talk about, here's what you can look at as like, okay, what are the pros? What are the cons? Um, maybe there was another section that I can't remember, but um, so that it can be all of the tools in the book can be tailored to whatever mm-hmm. it is that the person is looking to do in their own lives. Yes. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate you joining us for this conversation and sharing all of your wisdom and knowledge and stories. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was really good to meet you too. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. It was great. It's great to be here and in person. Yeah. yeah. Thank you.